0: welcome to measure twice cut once the podcast from haven the home builders
1: association vancouver from code to closets
0: safety to skylights
1: we'll take you behind the walls and all things home building and renovation
0: and give you the ins and outs from the experts on what you should know in plain language about home building design and renovation
1: i'm mike friedman and i'm jennifer lee now that you're here why not hit subscribe and you'll never miss an episode And don't forget to share with your family, friends, or anyone else you know who might be thinking of a project in their home now or in the future. Hey, Mike, how are you today? Great, Jen. I am so happy to be here and I'm so excited today. And I am really looking forward to talking to our guest, Doug Langford from JDL Homes on the topic of high performance homes.
0: I have been prepping hard for this today. I have looked at a whole bunch of YouTube videos on high performance homes uh, because I'm really, I'm in the building industry, but this is something I'm not too familiar with. And of course, I hope my family does more and more as we move forward with the construction company. The more I I research about this topic, I get excited about the enhancements to the livability and safety and health of your home and the impact on the people who live there.
1: You know, as a homeowner, I want the best for my family and I think every homeowner is the same. So although I like to focus on warmth, light, sound, air quality in my home, it takes a lot of people and it takes a lot of professionals with building science knowledge to build these high performance homes.
0: Yes and in the new era of COVID high performance homes are very relevant. So let's bring in Doug Langford from JDL Homes. Hi Doug. Hello.
2: How are you? I'm well thank you very much.
0: Well the first thing like I ask anyone is like I want to get to know you a little bit so can Mm -hmm. you tell us about your journey and how you got to creating JDL Homes?
2: Certainly. So I was born and raised in eastern Canada on a uh, the small farming community. So as a child working there with my father, we learned how to be a, a mechanic, a carpenter, a veterinarian, etc. Um, fast forward into my uh, early 20s, I did spend a bit of time traveling the world. And then uh, once I get into my 30s, I uh, joined up with my brother, Jeff Langford, and we started searching back to our roots and we started renovating and uh, we renovated a house for ourselves, and then our neighbors asked us to renovate, and then their neighbors asked, and so on. And then we started a company 20 years ago, and that graduated from renovating into building new construction, and uh, from new construction we have now, not exclusively, but we've made the foray into building higher performing houses, like Step Code 5 and Passive house.
0: That's cool that you built the company with your brother. I also have a brother named Jeff, and we run a construction company as well. It's a popular Great. duo. Yeah. You were also a camper, and you've got uh uh-huh. a little uh, camper that you retrofitted. Can you tell
2: us a little bit about that? It's a cool camper. My brother and I own it together. Actually, he bought it from a retired couple that had bought it brand new in 1984, and they only used it once a year. So it's it's got a real retro vibe to it, which we love as a weekend challenge in the winter we took it apart and redid the plumbing and the electrical and put a wood stove inside it put a new awning and added a few other niceties and so that's uh part of my I guess passion or recreation um is being in the outdoors so I enjoy different sports and the camper is great so if I'm not around town I'm Generally, in that thing on the weekends,
1: and we're really lucky because we do live in the most beautiful part of the world, and we are so privileged to have this in our, in just literally our backyard. We know what you love to do Mm -hmm. because we've seen the work that you do. But what inspires you? What's the spark of creativity that allows you to build these really amazing projects that you're involved in?
2: Really good question, Mike. I love the process of construction. I like the tangible aspect of it. I like to put something together, and then stand back and see what it is at the end of the day. My father was very much, um, uh, he owned his own company as well, plus the farm, and he was a big proponent of if we're going to do something, do it right, do it well, or don't bother doing it at all. And so I've used that uh, throughout most of my adult life, and I've taken that into construction. And I just like the industry constantly changes. I love the challenge now of building higher performing houses for multiple reasons. And that's just, Gets me even more excited.
0: And what made you decide to build and get more knowledge into high-performance homes?
2: So a project came across our desk a few years ago, and it involved tearing down a house that was 40 years old and rebuilding something new for the, the homeowners. And that really, it kind of upset me, and th- there's no way we should be tearing down houses that are 40 years old and rebuilding them a change has to happen. So we started to investigate at that time different technologies that allowed us to do our job better. And since then, government bodies and other institutions like Passive House have come out with, and, and they've put together a prescriptive plan to build a house that not only is it energy efficient, not only is it comfortable, but it's because we're building it that way, it's going to last 100, 150 years or more. So I think it's incumbent upon us as building professionals to try and educate the public, but also to be building to that standard. Talk to us quickly
1: about maybe what a high-performance home is because, okay, we understand the impact in terms of sustainability for usage of ingredients or materials, but what are the values of building a high-performance home to somebody who's a homeowner who's contemplating some sort of project? Like we hear this term, can you help quantify what that actually means for people?
2: A high-performing house is something that has a greater R-value. There's, there's probably half a dozen components to a, a higher-performing house that make life more comfortable, make your energy bills less. There's some tangibleness about not hearing the noise outside or people hearing the noise from inside the house, etc. But building our wall assemblies with more insulation, better-performing windows and doors, higher-efficient mechanical systems, so i.e. heating, uh, ventilation cooling and building their foundation with uh, a higher performing product basically thicker insulation. So you want to just cut down on any air loss through the house and that just makes it way more comfortable for the family and and safer, you know. High efficiency HRV which is a requirement in all houses in Vancouver, but high performing houses and and you get a complete exchange of air in that house every 1 to 2 hours depending on the size of the house and the size of the unit. If you look at just a few weeks ago here in Vancouver with the fires, you can't just crank your window open, right? So having windows that, and ventilation system that, you know, you keep the windows closed and you have a ventilation system that exchanges the air through filters could be monumental for some people.
0: And I hear these terms all the time when high performance homes are brought up, but like Leeds, Energy Star, Passive House. Mm-hmm what are those? (laughs) Because there's so many things that you read on the internet and all of a sudden you're like, oh, okay.
2: Yeah. I mean, we could go on the subject for a while. Passive House was actually out of Germany, but it came from the R2000 program that was in central Canada dating back from the seventies. And these are just prescriptive paths to building a higher performing house. And then there's there's certain levels that we need to get to. So you have to use the right ventilation system and we need an energy uh, modeling professional to help us Design the house at the beginning. Energy Star is used in, in houses now to rate the energy efficiency appliances predominantly. And then Step Code 5 is another government prescriptive.
0: Which you, know, you which just led to yeah. uh, the other question. You knew where yeah. I was going with this. Yeah. Uh, what is Step Code? Because that's another one that's been thrown out lately to me. and And a lot of people are like, what is the Step Code?
2: So the Step Code was introduced by the provincial government just a few short years ago. And it contains five steps. So the idea was that we would gradually over the next few years up to the year 2032 we would get through steps one to five slowly making our houses more energy efficient and so they have put this in place so that the general public us builders and other building professionals have time to learn their process get used to this and slowly introduce this into the public. So the idea with the step code is that by the year 2032 all new construction will be built to a net zero energy ready status. And you know, each municipality has, is taking their own path to get there. So even though this was introduced as a provincial government thing, the city of Vancouver, the way their bylaws were set, were already at a step two or three. New Westminster, North Van, Burnaby, they're all going to be a little bit different, which is slightly confusing. But at the end, we're all going to get to step five. And that net zero energy ready is basically, what we want to do is build a home that is airtight, efficient and utilizes high efficient mechanical systems so that the energy that is consumed in a calendar year can be made up by putting something like a solar array on the house. So they're not asking us for to make them net zero ready, but net zero energy, like net zero energy ready. So that if we did put up some solar panels on the house, that could be fed back to the grid and that would offset the energy consumed.
0: And just in case anyone doesn't know out there, but net zero meaning?
2: That you are not consuming any more energy than the house is producing in a calendar year. So ideal in the summer the solar panels are sending energy it's connected to your hydrometer and so they're sending you're getting a surplus in the summer when the sun's shining and then the winter you're consuming more but at the end it zeros itself up. So theoretically we wouldn't be consuming any any energy.
1: Doug it sounds a lot like we're not just changing how we do things, we're really reinventing the entire building standards that we use moving forward. Who sets these standards? I mean, we understand that the province sets the goals and objectives of 2032, but who actually sets the standards and who checks to make sure the standards are done correctly and that companies like yours are actually doing things to that proper standard
2: again the checking of these things are done by different professionals at a municipal level but if you are building a passive house or a step code house that could be step code three four or five that needs to be modeled So we need to employ a professional energy modeler. And what they do is they plug in different metrics into a computer program and help us as builders or the homeowner get to a path to build that house. And then once we are under construction, that is rechecked by doing a blower door test. So we have a blower door test during construction before drywall and then again at the very end. So we are set out with a path to start and then it's checked during construction. What's a blower door test? So a blower door test is basically take the front door of your house, open it, and envision like a tarp with a giant round fan on there that's actually depressurizing the house. So have air blowing out of the house. So imagine that and, and everything else is sealed up in the house. And then they can measure what the air exchanges are in the house. And they, they measure it typically at a resistance level in at 50 pascals. In a passive house, they're going to reverse the fan and actually blow it not only out, but blow it in as well. And that double checks where we have, that gives us the opportunity before we put drywall if there's any minute leaks that we can go and using tapes and caulking and and really tighten up the the air barrier of the house
0: and we talked about energy star for appliances for certifications but are there any other recognized certifications for high performance homes that we should be aware of
2: well you can get an energy guide rating for the house as well and then when it comes to like step code you can actually you'll get a step code rating on your house when do the final blower door test same with passive house as well so it's a passive house certified house it'll you'll get an actual certification plaque from passive house so those are the main ones right now
0: and being in a place like vancouver is it hard to have a net zero house to to achieve that goal
2: vancouver is is really british columbia as a whole is great but vancouver is excellent so we our temperatures don't get really super cold in vancouver germany is is an industry leader in this type of housing and our climate's very similar
1: So we've learned a lot about high performance homes already. We've learned a lot of what they are, even how we test for them. Let's talk about something a little different, but still talk about high performance home. As a homeowner, why would I want a high performance home? Like we understand what it is, but what are the benefits to me as a homeowner? And why would it be important for me as a consumer to know this information?
2: Sometimes it goes beyond a financial question. There's the safety and there's the comfort of living the house. There's the yeah, we can we can pay a small premium to build a house more energy efficient and negate our energy bills. And if I'm just going on a strictly on a math conversation, that's a tough sell because we in British Columbia, we have some of the cheapest energy bills in the world. So it has to go beyond that. And there's a lot of intangible aspects about living in a high performance home that our clients have shared with us. And people with allergies having you know, in a beautiful airtight home with a, a robust mechanical system, like when we have forest fires, that's invaluable. We had a clients of ours, we built a house a couple of years ago, a higher performing house, and we utilized structurally insulated panels for the wall system. And the homeowners were sitting on watching TV and there was like hurricane force winds out. It was the middle of November and they lived on South Vancouver, hurricane force winds. What the heck? What what were they talking about? So they went and they opened the front door and the wind almost blew the front door right In fact, it blew it open and they put a little ding in the door, but they couldn't hear anything and they didn't feel anything. So they were super grateful and super impressed that they have a higher performing house just for that one simple reason. Health and safety are a huge huge concern but the impact that you're making on the environment I, I think it's we can all agree that the the climate is changing and if we're going to do something we're going to build a house why not do it this way and well, we look
1: at other areas like in europe where they build houses for five or six hundred years and a lot of that methodology oh, yeah. is still current so if if nothing else we're just catching up and we're going from having we, disposable homes to really tangible long-term investments that, that people that, buy for for generations
2: that's correct you know i read a stat if uh, three or four years ago where the country of germany spends you know 60 or 70% more on the envelope of their houses than we do here in North America. So we've got to sort of get around the mindset of redirecting our finance. It doesn't mean that the house could be more expensive. It's says we need to just look at what our priorities are and reprioritize where we allocate the funds when we're building. Because there's 150 different things that cost money to build the house. You can just focus and redirect those finances into what I believe is the right way to go. And make the house last a couple of hundred years. Leave a legacy for your children and your grandchildren. If we need to make cosmetic changes inside, that's the easy part.
0: That all being said, do you have to sacrifice design when it comes to creating a high-performance home? Or can you still make it
2: look beautiful? I the answer is yes, we can. It just it becomes a budget-driven decision. So the more simplistic we keep the architecture the more and this is conducive of any house. The, the the simpler the architecture, the the easier it is on the on the budget.
1: It sounds like a high performance home is a really attractive feature for anybody. It sounds great. We are reducing our environmental impact, we're living better lives, healthier, cleaner air, reduction of noise in city, but it sounds really expensive.
2: The short answer to me is no, it's not expensive. Building a house in general is not an inexpensive endeavor. Just think it's really important that we prioritize. When you take a house, I break it out into 150 different items. And I sit down and I talk to my homeowners, okay, what's what's important? Where do you want to direct your finances? So I think that directing your finances toward a solid building envelope and a robust mechanical system will pay off. So the short answer is no. It just requires a homeowner to be on board and to be open and flexible in how we redirect the finances. So you might get more here. You might have to forego that marble countertop maybe and just go with a quartz countertop.
0: And that's what I was just thinking. It was like, it's coming up to being maybe having a compromise with yourself when it comes to building a high performance home, because if that's what you want, maybe you don't need that 60K marble budget.
2: That's right hundred percent. So you can, you can achieve that by just making some clever decisions and working with some experts in their field.
1: Doug, that's great. We are going to take a quick break to thank our industry partners. So hold on to what you've been talking about because sure. we'll be getting some great information from you. We're going to be back in 30 seconds.
0: Measure Twice, Cut Once is a new podcast, and we are grateful for the support from our podcast partners, BC Hydro and Fortis BC. Their support helps us share expert knowledge like we are hearing from Doug today to help homeowners design, build, and renovate right the first time.
1: If you're enjoying this podcast, please like, follow, and share with your friends, neighbors, and families. The more followers we have, the more chance we have to help people like yourself with this podcast. And this information really changes how we look at everything, including high-performance building. And I think I want to build a high-performance home next time I do it as well.
0: Me too, And by liking and sharing us, you will be entered for the chance to win a Napoleon Prestige P500 Stainless Steel Natural Gas Barbecue from our friends at BC.
1: That is an amazing prize and an amazing barbecue valued over $1,000. So now that we've talked about that exciting snippet, let's get back to talking about high-performance homes with Doug Langford of JDL Homes.
0: Okay, I'm going to ask you probably the hardest question out of all of them is, how do I find a builder who can build a high-performance home when it comes the time
2: I think the best place to start would be the calling you (laughs) and calling me uh, but you could call the wonderful people at Haven and do your research I think that if you call Haven research online google search high performance homes and talk to a builder that actually has some experience. I think that yeah. that's, that's crucial.
0: Not a lot of people do it yet. Like you said, it's still kind of new stage. Like there are quite a few builders out there, but yeah. it's finding the ones that do it and the ones that have experience in it.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's that's indicative with a lot of things in life. You want to do your research and interview a few different builders and make sure it's the right uh, fit. But having the experience with um, building a high-performance home and also uh, working with the materials and and technologies to get there. There's a few different ways to get to to that house. They also need to be familiar with the municipality that they're working in. That's also another one that's overlooked, but very important.
1: So Jen, you grew up in the building community. Doug, you're obviously very active in our community as well. Those of us who are not members of the building community, we're going to be looking at this a little bit differently. Can you tell me some of the questions I might ask somebody when I'm looking to find a high performance builder and how can I find out if they're actually going to be able to do the job?
2: Well, you've asked them outright if they've built a higher performance house, but I think that, you know, interviewing the builder as far as the types of houses they build. So are they familiar with using insulated concrete forms? That would be a good question because you can use that technology but not build a high performance house. So that... Could help working with panelized wall systems, or is the builder familiar with putting insulation on the outside of houses? And asking the builder what to, do they understand envelope technology? Do they understand how an air barrier works, and if those sorts of things? This is relatively new stuff, and you know, even us builders are still learning things about envelope science. You know, what, as as Jenny was saying, she was watching YouTube videos and whatnot for bringing herself up to speed. I think a lot of homers have to sift. Through through that and then interview as many builders as you can and then maybe back it up and interview other professionals in the industry like talk to an envelope engineer for instance that might be a a good place to start and an architect if you're interviewing an architect that they're familiar with the designing a home to be high performance so that's another good place to go and um, asking your builder as well if they have a really good set team. Because one of the things we've learned rather quickly is to build a really good house, and especially a high-performing house, a builder has to have their team set in place.
0: So the last few people we've had on that are also builders, we talked to Mark Cooper and Matt Senth, and they talked about the importance of team, you know, sub-trades, interior designer, architect, all those people. On a high-performance home, we've heard you talk a little bit, but it. it seems like you've got a few different people, but I'm sure that at the end of the day, the importance of a trustworthy team is, is still the end goal like to build your home. A
2: hundred percent. Yeah. I it is crucial to the success of any project really to have a really good team put together. But that's exacerbated by when you're building a higher performance home. And having like the back and forth that we've had to do with us, our designer, because then the architect has to double check things with the city and then get back to us and then we double check um things from a structural standpoint with the engineer, and then we have to talk to our our on, our envelope engineer and the energy modeler who typically are the same company and then talk to our trade consultants, specifically HVAC. Okay, well, what's the size of the, you know, is the, the ducting going to make it? Is it going to work here? And, um, you know, based on the formula that we have in place with the wall assembly and the windows is, are you going to be able to size this? to the mechanical system to make sense. So there is a tremendous amount of that that goes on um, behind closed doors. And I've taken over up to 20 years to amass the team we have. And it's crucial, crucial to pulling this off to making this work
0: and I did do my youtube research and I learned about the envelope but for people that might be thinking we're talking about real paper envelopes what Mm. is an envelope in building
2: an envelope on your house is basically like the jacket that you put on when you leave the door so the envelope is the walls the door the window the roof and the foundation and the interface of how all these things get connected is really important And how we put it together and then how we cover it with an air barrier like Tyvek or other, you've probably seen the white with the sign Tyvek written on it. Uh, We can use that effectively as an air barrier. There's other manufacturers out there that make different products that work uh, great. And tapes and caulkings and peel and stick membranes and, and how we cover that and bring it all together is super important. But the envelope is basically the whole shell.
0: I love that explanation and the image you painted of the jacket that you leave when you leave right. the home. It's yeah. so great. Yeah. And what is one thing somebody should ask the contractor when they are in the interview process and they're thinking of building a high-performance home? could get them to ask one important question.
2: I would say, can you explain what the air barrier is?
0: Perfect. I, I like that question. I don't and know what the, that is. And if
2: the contractor doesn't know what that is or stumbles on that, then that person should not be...
1: The correct Everybody. answer is it's like a jacket you put on.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Just walk away if they don't know the answer. Basically. It's like a cortex, It really is. Can you give us an example of maybe clients that you've built a high-performance home and how you kind of walk them through the process of that from sure. beginning to end?
2: Yeah, the current project that we're building in Burnaby is, is kind of an interesting journey because the homeowners came to me and said, Doug, we've heard of you before. We like your product and your website. And we we have this lot that we've had in the family for 40 years or 50 years. And we touched on maybe renovating it, but the what they wanted and trying to save the house was just not going to work. So we quickly realized that building a new house was going to be the path. And during a couple of meetings, the homeowner kept saying, well, you know, we want a really solid, you know, energy efficient house. And so over the course of a couple of meetings, I told them about the step code. They didn't know anything about it. And like most people. And as we went in there, they seemed very keen on that. And I said, we'll be hiring a envelope engineer and an energy modeler to help us put down a path to get there. But we are well-versed in a few technologies that I know are super airtight, uh, specifically insulated concrete forms for the foundation and structurally insulated panels for the walls. And we actually used, we could use that for your roof if we keep the overall house simplistic. Uh, they also shared with me their their budget. And the budget was not too tight, but was tight enough that we couldn't go off on a, on a big tangent and be too fancy. So we went down a journey and we actually got to step four using the, the technologies you wanted to do to build the house. And we reached out to our window provider and said, so if we went from double pane to triple pane, what are we talking? And They said, yeah, we could actually do that for about $1,800. And Homer's like, no brainer. So we're still at step four, and we were using a six-inch structurally insulated panel wall, and we could make it thicker, but that was going to have a detrimental effect on the interior design. Our designer said if we could avoid that, that would be great. And our SIPs panel provider said, well, we can upgrade the insulation that's in the wall from a standard insulation to a graphite-infused EPS insulation. So... We said, okay, what would that cost? And that was going to be about $2,000. So we took that and we plugged that into the program and we made it to step five. But in making it to step five, I also realized that we were eligible for a city of Vancouver grant called the Near Zero Building Program. And so we actually got the homeowners a $21,000 grant. So we actually, because we spent 4000 to get us to step five, I'm getting $21,000 back. So that worked out really well. And the homeowner's, did agree with me that, you know, if we're going to do this, let's do it right. And they also agree with me that we know that this is coming down the line. We need to, to do this now because they're not just building the house to sell. They want this to last many generations.
0: What other resources are out there besides YouTube that you can learn about high-performance homes so you're more prepared when you meet with the builder?
2: So you could reach out to Passive House Canada. Uh, you could reach out to... Um, you could Google the step code through the provincial government. And you can also reach out to Haven and um, look at all their e-learning programs they have. I, I almost exclusively go to Haven for e-learning to, um, for credits for my buildings license, which we have to do uh, every year. And uh, I find their content to be excellent and really good value. So the, that would be a really good start, those three, those three avenues. You know, we've
1: talked about so much different stuff today and it's such a complex subject and we really, really appreciate you breaking it down for us and simplifying for us because I think it makes it so much easier for so many people. But let's tie a bow on this and let's bring it all back around and let's summarize very quickly some of the things you'd want me as a homeowner to take away from our conversation today. What are specifically some of the hot topics that you think we should be thinking about when we're finished listening to you?
2: If you're considering building a home, consider building a higher-performing home. Consider of the legacy that you're going to leave your family. Consider, you know, what might have been important in the past... Consider rethinking that. Just think, hey, you know, maybe if I forgo a few things that I thought were super important to me, maybe I can redirect those funds into, into the envelope and, and into more insulation, into triple pane windows, into a really robust mechanical system, because these other things can be replaced and upgraded down the road. So that would be the big thing that I would implore people to think about.
1: This has been a really eye-opening and educational talk about the homes that are being built today. And let's be honest, this is the way it's going to go. This is how all homes will eventually be built. So I think it's great getting an education like this on the ground level and really appreciative of that. We talked about some amazing things today. We talked about 2032 and the net zero awareness and readiness for homes in the city in Vancouver, not just in Vancouver, but across the province. We talked about comfort, health, safety, energy savings and protecting the value of your home. Definitely talking about space-saving design and prioritizing your budget to get the home you really really want. If you could offer us one last piece of advice,
2: what do you think that would be? We touched on cost and value of the home and I touched on this with our our client that we're building a house for in Burnaby and it's not known right now but you're we we take out and spend a lot of money. It's a it's the single biggest financial decision you're going to make in your whole life and so if we're spending all this money to build a home i implore people to consider building a high performance home but also consider what the value of that house is going to be in beyond 2032 and my intuition is telling me that eventually if you were to sell your house or you need to refinance or you need to do something for the family if we know this is coming down the pipe and so why not start now Because if we're selling, you're buying a house in 30 years from now, are you going to buy a house that's a passive house or step five net zero energy house? Or are you going to buy a house that isn't?
0: It's so important because as we move forward, and of course, COVID taught us a lot about global warming and everything like that, too. It's really important to think about the future and the planet. So 30 years down the road, it's important that you're in a home that you're happy with. Perfect. Thank you so much for taking your time out to uh, come and talk to us today.
2: It's been my pleasure.
0: So, Doug, if people are interested in getting high-performance home, how do they find you? The easiest to go to our website,
2: www.jdlhomesvancouver.com. And
1: thank you, Doug, so much. Always a pleasure talking to you. So informative and really helping us understand high-performance homes has given us the ability to have a foundation for our next episode when we talk to Amy McKay of Pure Design about the pre-design stage.
2: Excellent. Very important. Now I
0: want a high performance home on my wish list. So one day. So thank you so much, Doug, again. This has been Measure Twice, Cut Once, the podcast from Haven, the Home Builders Association of Vancouver. Again, I can't thank you enough. Thank you for joining us today.
2: My pleasure. Thank for you. For
1: notes and links to everything mentioned on today's episode, go to haven.ca slash measure twice, cut once.
0: Follow us and review us to help empower homeowners like yourself to make the right decision the first time. And automatically by doing so, you'll be entered to win a gas barbecue, courtesy of our friends at BC. Canadianevergreen.com is your trusted news source for all things green. Offering up-to-date news and stories from Canada's booming cannabis industry. Content you can trust from Black Press Media.